scenes with Smashville's favorite team. This is the Preds Official Podcast with Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer. Now on 102.5 and 106.3 The Game and NashvillePredators.com. It's time, another episode, Predators Official Podcast, a.k.a. the P.O.B. Darren McFarland, Kara Hammer here with you in just a bit. We'll talk to President and CEO Sean Henry. He'll join us. We'll get things started in the new year with him. First appearance in 2023 here on the podcast. But first, Kara, before we uh, dive into that interview and find out what's new uh, on the business side of things and uh, catch up on what happened on that uh, Friday, November 25th, we haven't talked to Sean since then, so we'll have him kind of walk through what that morning was like. Emma Lingen is the Predators beat reporter up in Montreal. Tonight it's the Predators and the Canadians and a special night that we'll get to in just a moment around uh, a former Predator and uh, a former Canadian. So all wrapped in one. But uh, first, Emma, let's start with last night in the hockey mecca, the, the you know, that Toronto place. They're kind of crazed about hockey. That was a tough one uh, because it's one of those games – Look, you're in the business of two points, as we've talked about on this podcast a bunch, especially this time of year. But I'm sitting there thinking, hey, look, just you, you got to get to OT and guarantee yourself a point. And unfortunately, uh, a late four-minute power play by the Leafs uh, did the Predators in. Yeah, you know, that was a tough one, a really tough one to lose in regulation, especially. I talked to Roman Yossi following the game and he actually said you know i think that one deserve we deserve to go to ot for that one and i think the rest of the team would probably agree you know it might have been a a slower start for the preds that everyone kind of echoed that the first first period was maybe not their best but especially with the way they played in the second and the third period they were strong they were attacking but they were also really stifling the the Leafs offense as well so as you said it's unfortunate to lose the way that they did and not at least get one point out of it but I would say overall it was it was a pretty good effort from the guys last night yeah they came into that game winning uh their last four so it's been a good road trip even though um you know they weren't able to get any points in Toronto last night, but uh, a, a good bounce back game, hopefully tonight against a Montreal team that's going the wrong way. So hopefully they can capitalize on that. Uh, Philip Forsberg has been going the right way of late and it's not even February and we can talk about it because I know he hates that whole February, but uh, it's not, it's not even February as Kara knows it's January, Emma and Forsberg is Definitely heating up. Uh, he has been on a heater here of late. What's Philip been saying about the way he's been playing lately? You know, he'll be the first to give credit to his line mates. Uh, he's been playing on a line recently with Colton Sissons and Yuso Parsonen. And that line as a whole, obviously, as you said, Phil has been extremely productive but that line as a whole has been really productive. I mean, you look at Parson and he's had points in his last few games as well. For a rookie, he sure doesn't play like it. And I think with Phil, one of the things, and, and we've talked about it on the podcast before too, is how he's been working specifically at trying to score different kinds of goals, different ways from different locations. You know, he's in front of the net, he's behind the net, he's 
at the circle, he's shooting from distance. Like he'll, he has really, he's definitely not a one trick pony. And, and we're seeing that this year, especially. And as you said, it's not even February yet. So can only go up from here. Saroska recorded his first shutout in Ottawa. You brought up uh, Parson and uh, he exactly didn't make any friends in that Ottawa game, did he? <laughs> it was kind of funny to watch him uh, kind of aggravating Tim Stutzla the way he did at that Ottawa game. It was it was kind of cool to see. But then you ask him about it afterwards, and you so as I've said before, man of few words, and he's he's about as stoic as they come. And so I asked him about it afterwards. I was like, "Yeah, you're kind of getting in his face, huh?" And he was like, "Yeah, he he was in my way." He was in my way. So it was, it was, you know, like, okay. Yeah, he was. And, and you got him out of the way. So it was, yeah, it was, it was cool to see that again for a rookie who sure doesn't act like one. I mean, he plays like a seasoned veteran and it's been really cool to, to watch him this year. Well, we know tonight taking on Montreal, they will be honoring PK Subban. I just saw the Preds posted a Twitter video where he went in and was, you know, saying hi to the guys at breakfast. Do you know what uh, what the plans are for tonight? I know that there is, I mean, they're not doing anything like a jersey retirement or anything like that, but it's more to just kind of celebrate and honor his retirement. Um, he obviously was an important part of the Montreal organization as, in addition to the Nashville organization. And so I think they're just honoring him. I know that there's going to be a press conference and a, a media availability with him tonight as well. It's a little strange. It's going to be during the game, I think. So I'm not sure if I will be able to make it down to that. I'd like to if I can. But um, yeah, there's definitely going to be and knowing I've I've only been to Montreal once before and it was for the NHL draft this past summer and they really know how to uh, to put on an event here. I will say that. So I'm sure it'll be nothing short of of special and, you know, what what PK deserves for what he means to this community. PK, is, he's been uh, he's been a guy that obviously we all love to follow on Twitter, right? You know, how much have you enjoyed, you know, following him and how much do you think for you as a fan has PK kind of helped grow the game? I think he's been extremely, you know, he's been instrumental in that because one of the maybe more common criticisms you hear about the NHL as a whole is maybe a, a lack or a, a failure to market players well and really market, showcase their personalities because as a group, I think hockey players, I think we can probably agree that hockey players are some of the most down-to-earth guys when it comes to professional athletes, especially. And and he's got such a big personality. Um, he's very relatable and he's, he's very affable and he's just a likable guy. And so I think for him having that personality and showcasing it the way that he does, I think he's been huge for, for helping to grow the game. Let's also talk about somebody else who's been red hot. Um, UC Saros. I mean, look, it's we we've seen this before. This is not anything new. I think what concerns me a bit, Emma, and I want to get your take on this is it's hard to stay at that level that long. Like right, he's not going to stay red hot, you know, for the rest of the season. I mean, there's going to be dips. I mean, that just happens to every 
great goaltender. So I hope the offense can stay up, even though they, you know, last night it cooled off a bit. But the the offense has been red hot. I hope they can continue to give him support because that's a bit to ask for the second half of the season for him to continue playing at the level he's been playing at. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree more. And I think you said for goaltenders, but really just in general, no one is going to stay hot at that level for that long. And we're, we're enjoying the show right now. Absolutely. I mean, he had his 64 save performance in Carolina. He had a shutout in Ottawa. He's just really kept this team in a lot of these games especially before, as you said, the offense really started to ramp up. And so, as you said, it cooled off a little bit in Toronto last night, but the Predators' identity has kind of been a defensive-minded team, you know, and they have a history of this, even prior to this season, just producing really solid defensemen and goaltenders. And the scoring may not always be there, um, of course you want it to be, um, that, that would be ideal, but, you know, having a guy like UC Soros in net, it gives the team a ton of confidence, but at the same time, it also kind of gives them a little, little kick in the butt to be like, Hey, this guy is standing on his head for us. And, and we got to win these games for him because they know they're well aware that he has kept them in a lot of these games. Dante Fabro was back in the lineup last night in Toronto uh, he had been a healthy scratch for a, a patch of games. Uh, and this has happened with Dante before. I mean, if people aren't familiar with his history, I mean, he went straight from college right with the Predators, right into action. And so he's still young, but he's had his ups and downs. He's already played a lot of games in the league. But w- what do you make of maybe this little stretch here where Dante was sitting? I mean, I know I've had enough conversations with Dante and Kara too, and, and Emma, I'm sure you have at this point as well. Uh, he's a competitor. He's a competitive dude. He wants to be out there. Um, he's always trying to get better. He talked about his offseason and coming back trying to be better, but how do you think he handled that little stretch where he was sitting out? Well, I think Dante handled it great. Like you said, he's he's young, but he's a pro in everything that he does, and you know, it was it's kind of nice for me. I was joking with him because a lot of times on the road, the healthy scratches will come and sit in the press box. So it was kind of nice for me. I had some company there for, for a couple of the games. Um, and so I told him, I was like, well, I'm happy you're going back in the lineup and I'm going to miss having my buddy up here uh, hanging out with me, watching the game. But I mean, you know, it's hard for these guys, for any of them, all they want to do is play, right? That's what they're there for. And so it's obviously, it's not easy for them to sit out and to watch. But I think, as I've said before, you know, they, they had brought up Roland McEwen to provide that depth. And there's been a lot of games here recently. I mean, it's, it's obviously a long season, but we're at the halfway point. Now we've had two sets of back-to-backs on the road. We're going to have another three games in four days when we get home to Nashville. And so it's important. It's like with anything, you just, you need to rest and maybe kind of recharge a little bit. And I think I wouldn't read it into it any more than that for whether it's Dante or whether it's anyone else on the team, you know, these guys need their rest. And and I think that that's been good for him. And like I said, he's handled it like a pro. 
Hopefully, Emma, they can close out this uh, five-game road trip strong tonight in Montreal because, like you said, uh, it is nothing but a slew of home games the rest of the month. But it's not exactly tiptoeing through the tulips. A lot of tough opponents, so they'll have to make hay at home uh, because um, it's not going to be easy. There's some really, really good opponents coming to Bridgestone Arena. Yeah, absolutely. They'll have Buffalo on Saturday that they've that's been a really strong team lately. Uh, and then you, of course, have the addition of the rescheduled game against yep. Columbus. That was a game that was not supposed to happen this week. It was supposed to happen back uh, Thanksgiving weekend. But then, you know, as as I'm sure you'll talk about with Sean Henry, there's a little bit of a hiccup in the schedule there. So I think uh that, you know, adding that adds another back to back that, you know, the team had not initially anticipated. So it's going to be a challenge for sure. And that's a Columbus team that's already beat them once this year. So um, it'll it'll be a grind for sure. And then after the little home stretch, they go to St. Louis uh, and then come back and, you know, it's funny. I've, I've talked to a few people, especially people outside of the industry who say like, oh, well, yeah, you're on this long road trip now, but you're coming home. So that that'll be nice. And it's like, yeah, it is nice. You know, there's a familiarity to it, but it's still a grind. It's still a lot of games and it's still tough opponents. And and these guys are aware of that. So like you said, hopefully we can get back in the win column tonight and then kind of carry the momentum from there. Enjoy the game tonight. Everybody I've ever talked to says it is an absolute, it's the largest building in the league. It's crazy loud they love their hockey they love their team and so this should be a lot of fun and of course pk will be in the building so it should be a special night so enjoy it emma and we'll see you when you get back to nashville all right thank you emma lincoln predators beat writer up in montreal tonight it's the preds and the canadians preds wrapping up this five game road trip when we come back it'll be the president and ceo sean henry we will talk to him next here on the predators official podcast Back here on the Predators official podcast, Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer with you. And as promised, the first ever guest that we had on the POP and now uh, his first appearance in 2023, the president and the CEO of the Nashville Predators, Sean Henry, has joined us. Sean, Happy New Year. Although I know that makes Brandon Walker happy because apparently on Twitter, he uh, he wants people to stop saying Happy New Year. So that was for for walks. Yeah, I'll tell you what, we got to tell uh, B-Dub that I uh, have a new resolution this year as well, and I see no reason not to say Happy New Year through June 29th. Oh, through June 29th, It's still a new year, and let's face it, it makes you a little bit happy, doesn't it? A little hopeful, you know, that you can still accomplish all the things you want to accomplish. So, Happy New Year to you both, and especially to our good friend Brandon Walker. (laughs) So, I want to start with probably not a great memory. But we haven't had a chance to talk to you since all that happened. Can you take us back to Friday morning, very, very, very early on November 25th, or when you learned of? You I'm so glad you said that. I, I really thought you were going to go back to Friday morning, May 14th of 1985, the morning of my prom. Like that was a bad morning. <laughs> it was only a flood. By the way, my prom date is coming to the game tomorrow night or Saturday night. Stop it. Really? Yes. Jen- Jennifer Casey with her husband. They'll be sitting with me. And yeah. will they be? Uh, will they be uh, on Fang Vision? Will they be announced? I don't. Know, maybe we'll see how it goes. You know, I'm. I'm. I've not. I've not seen her since 
I don't even know. Graduation. So you know. Tracy knows who this person is, I'm assuming. Tracy's out of town, man. I didn't tell her. <laughs> I mean, she's bringing her husband, you know. And he's, a, he's a veteran. He just retired from the Marines. So now I think we're going to be – and my daughter is going to be with us. So – well, that's cool. All right. That, that's not where I was going, but thank you for enlightening us on that story. Um, I, I better, hey, when does this air? This will air later tonight, later today. Uh, I have about seven hours to let Tracy know who I'm going to be with them. <laughs> yeah, since we're done, Kara, I'm sure Sean's first message will be to his wife. <laughs> well, and I keep thinking Saturday night, we're doing like a, a very special, like a smash cast. We're going live from the stands. And now I feel like, my segment needs to be needs with to Sean be. Henry and his prom date. There you go. Section 105, row C, C20. I'll leave open for you. There you go, Kara. <laughs> I'll be there. Put that one on the schedule for Saturday night. So Friday morning after Thanksgiving. When did you, you learn? When did you learn? What did um, You know, it's funny. Uh, we had a great Thanksgiving. My, we had, I don't know, 50 people at our house for dinner, roughly. Um, two of my sisters were here. Uh, six or seven nieces. My nephews were here, great nieces and nephews. My mom was here. It was like one of those great, great days. And we we're just excited about going to the hockey game together at one o'clock on Friday. And um, probably about 5 I thought my phone was ringing. And I'm always up. Like I don't sleep a whole lot, but I was sound asleep. Probably self induced a little bit from the night before. And uh, I, I was like, what's my phone ringing? And then I realized, oh my gosh, my phone's ringing. When your phone rings at five forty in the morning, yeah. there's nothing good. Right? No. You assume there's a, a personnel issue, much more so than a physical issue with the building. And so, so I grabbed it I, before I you know, called the person back. I noticed I had missed calls from Bill Wickett, Kyle Clayton, Michelle Kennedy, and security, like all within one second of each other. Oh boy! So I, I called back as I was getting up. I just started getting dressed, knowing something bad happened. And um, I think the first person I think I talked to was Michelle Kennedy, maybe Bill Wickett, and then Kyle Clayton. And it was, you need to get to the building. We have a flood. Like, well, what's going on? And um, Bill Wickett said, grab your boots. Oh, so running out there, I just grabbed my duck boots, you know, that you use like twice a year when it snows. And I could not believe what I saw when I got here. I, I honestly, I, I just couldn't. Uh, most of the TV crew were outside waiting to get in for the call. And I remember coming down to Mumbry and crossing Sixth Avenue, and I felt like I was driving in the Cumberland River. I, I, it, it was absolutely unreal. I looked to my left, and the water was still raging, you know, pounding against the building, uh, you know, from the middle of Sixth Avenue. Pulled, you know, whipped into the Mumbry and was smart enough to put my rubber boots on, and uh, you know, kind of clomped up you know, the hill to what was going on. As I, I got there, the water department was getting there, and as you can imagine, you can't just shut the water off. You know, it's like, have you ever shut your hose off in the backyard? If you do too fast, the pipe rattles for half a second. Well, same thing. If, if they shut that off too too fast, imagine a mile of pipe rattling and just cracking right on up the hill, if you will. Um, but I, I give Metro Water Services so much credit. OEM, same thing. Um, they responded so quickly. Um, you know, the water was discovered to be cracked and flooding. And within two hours, it was completely shut off the day after Thanksgiving. You know, it's, it's a work day for them, I know, but it started earlier than they're normally there. But they, their response was so, so fast. But it was it was something. <laughs> it was a lot more damage than I thought it could have been. Well, once you put your eyes on the damage, what was that feeling like walking through the arena? 
again, when I when I first got the call and I, I kept talking to people on my way in, you know, to work, you know, 15 minute drive and everyone kept trying to explain to me how bad it was. And in my head, I'm still thinking, all right, we're going to have a little leak, you know, coming through the ceiling or a puddle on the concourse. When I, I can't describe to you, you've seen the videos of the water pounding against the building and the whole street and sidewalk buckled up and all the water caps exploded. You know, that's right where the water room is in the building. Can that envision the water room? Maybe next time you're here, I'll walk you through it. You know, it's a, a 3,000 square foot room that has all sorts of systems in there. You know, our main water pumps, electrical rooms, you know, things that don't work well together. That room was completely full of mud and rock because around those pipes underground are, you know, large stones, smaller stones, smaller stones, gravel, and then dirt. That entire room had three, four feet of mud and rock in it. That same mud and rock were all the way down on 2nd Avenue, down to Mumbrian. You know, over probably two and a half million gallons of water came pouring in the building. Probably another two and a half million gallons of water went rushing down, you know, the Mumbrian. Um, and the oddest thing is on the concourse, it almost looked like a whirlpool. The water came exploding through the wall, you know, onto the concourse and literally whipped around the entire concourse. And it was nonstop, like, you know, a bathtub almost cascading down all the you know vomitory down aisles and then of course permeating through the floor into the ceilings above and the, and, and the wall side just devastated the coaches locker rooms our video room our control room for fang vision um uh i mean the entire level was just flooded all the elevator um bays filled up um some of those elevators are you know a little bit older where the mechanics are underneath the elevator that's why we still have three elevators not not operational Got to completely rebuild them. Uh, the giant video board, Lexus Lounge, we have to replace that. That you know, will never be operational again. We're running the the Fang Vision from a TV truck, basically, We're almost off-site. We're going to have to completely rebuild a, a room that we just rebuilt um, the year after we put Fang Vision in. Um, and then every piece of sheetrock, every ceiling tile, every carpet, every soft surface will either continue to be replaced or will be replaced. Uh, but we won't be done until middle of summer, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but I give our team and the city so much credit because everybody jumped into action. When I say everybody, it was really cool being in the locker room, helping bring down the ceiling with Brian Poyle, Scotty Nickel, um, our coaches staff, Lawrence Filoni, our video coach, who saves us so many goals. You know, he has this giant truck that he's never used for any real truck worthy things. But he was so happy he got to hook it up to our equipment truck and pull it out of the flood. I mean, imagine the loading dock had three feet of water mm. in it. So, I mean, everybody just jumped in and tried to move as much as equipment as possible. You know, so a lot of times bad things happen, but you get to see some really good things. And we got to see that citywide and inside our own building. Um, you know, we had probably three, 400 people in the building within hours. No one even made a phone call. Uh, people started coming. You know, we had no water in the building. Right away, the Omni called and said, hey, you need restrooms or food or coffee. Just come on over. And then people started sending food over, you know, some of our partners. And I started reaching out to people a few days later, thank them. And it was really nice, the comments that you heard back. And everyone said the same thing. Like, look, the Preds are always the first one on the scene. When something bad happens somewhere else, it's our turn to say thank you and turn it around. So there was nothing fun about the day after Thanksgiving, you know, having to be here dealing with that instead of, a doubleheader of hockey. You know, we had the women's tournament going on at Fort Ice Center. We're going to play the college game after our game. Um, but you know what? We were able to salvage it and, and play hockey just a few days later. 
where I really thought that we'd have to cancel maybe a month or two worth of events. And I know a lot of other buildings would have, but we just have such a great crew in our building and, and, and around it at the city. So good things happened. Um, the person, so I've been married almost 31 years now, despite what I'm doing Saturday night. And um, the person it was hardest for was my wife. In those 31 years, my wife has never once called me to say, when are you coming home? Mm-hmm. You know, we met in this industry, so she kind of gets it, knows it. She called me all day Friday, all day Saturday, wanted to know when I was coming home. And I realized why. And I love my sisters and I love my mother. But can you imagine being stuck with your sister-in-law as a mother-in-law without <laughs> your husband the day after Thanksgiving trying to entertain them? So she just, she's like, seriously, I don't care about the flood. You got to come save me. <laughs> I just hope my mom doesn't listen to this. <laughs> I'm only kidding, Mom. Well, we're not discouraging anyone from listening to this. I hope she does. (laughs) There is no manual, Sean, for something like this. For here's the manual for president and CEO. This is how you handle this situation. So you just kind of laid out a ton of stuff that uh, you know you just have to go through on the fly. Meanwhile, you've got media outside the building wanting to talk to you. You, you just basically jumped up out of bed, threw a cap on, a predator's cap, and came downtown and not knowing what you're getting into, right? You've got the media out there wanting to talk to you. I'm sure, as you just laid out, you've got a 1 o'clock game against another NHL team, the defending Stanley Cup champs in the building. You've got a night game. You've got all this stuff going on. You probably have the league blowing you up. How do you go about trying to figure out how to, you know, cipher through all this stuff as it's hitting you all at once. I think the hardest part was explaining to people that weren't here, who didn't have eyes on it, as you said, how bad it was. Because again, a water pipe broke. That's what people heard. Not a 10 inch water main, you know, that's rushing this much water right into the building. I mean, it blew a hole in the side of the wall and blew right into the building. So, you know, first phone call I made to league wide was to Gary Bettman, simultaneously David Poyle will reach out to, to Coley Campbell immediately saying that we're going to have to cancel today's game. We're probably going to have to cancel tomorrow's, but let's give that one a little time. Give us a few more hours to evaluate it. And, you know, unfortunately during COVID, we all learned how to postpone games a little bit too well. I mean, in my 20 some odd years of, of doing this, I think we postponed one game in my entire career before COVID and then during COVID it just kind of became, okay, we'll figure it out. And um, so it probably made us all a little bit more limber, but again, I give the league so much credit because the first thing was seriously, how bad can it be? Like, can't you play? I was like, well, we have no gaming system, no clock system. We don't know if we have our ice skids operating. We don't know if we'll have ice. We don't know if we have Zambonis. And that's when it was funny, Gary, just, all right, stop. I get it. You know, you guys are there. Let's figure it out. Let's reach out to the Avalanche now so you can make other arrangements. You know, maybe they stay in town to practice. Maybe they don't. Same time, uh, Danny Butler was reaching out to um, both the women's tournament that was going on and then both uh, college teams with David Kells to say, let's try to salvage the men's games and move them out to Fort Ice Center and to make that great tournament even better by adding another game. Um, and I give all the coaches of, of the women's programs that were here, the coaches in the 80s of the men's programs that were just flexible. And, you know, rolled through it. Um, and then, you know, you have to communicate to a lot of different people pretty quickly what we're doing. But uh, that's why I am proud of our organization. You know, it's, um, you know, I was, David Paul and I were standing together and we're on those Zooms together with the league, with with the Avalanche. Um, 
you know, what, what was going on, what was going to happen. We talked to Columbus immediately. They were playing Friday night as well. And then they were going to come here for Saturday. And, you know, we all compete in doing anything to beat the other team. But when things are hard, that's when we really rally together. So, yeah, there was a lot to do. But we have a really good team. You know, it's, um, you know, Kyle Clayton, Tim Friedberg, and so many others just jumped right into the facility side. Okay, let's start pumping the water out. Let's start drying it out. Let's figure it out. You know, we had a thousand fans going in the building within three hours of, of, of shutting the water off. We had four semis here of dehumidifiers and make up air to get more air flooding through the building within five or six hours, which as I reminded Tim Freeber, our senior vice president of facility operations, it takes us two weeks to load that same equipment in for the playoffs. You only have two hours to do it from now on. <laughs> like we made a lot of those jokes that, it's amazing how fast we can do things that would normally take a little longer to, to uh, plan. But again, so much credit goes to all of our employees. You know, people that never thought about coming in that day until game time, if at all, they were here at 9.30 in the morning. So it's uh, we're lucky. Sean, take us through the, the scheduling. Obviously, you know, the hockey schedule comes out over summer. Bridgestone Arena is, is concerts and Scott, Scott Hamilton's event. I mean, things are always happening. How difficult was it then to find a day that – we can play a hockey game and it fits with the other team's schedule to come in and finish out the, the season. Um, it, it's hard because it's not just your schedule. It's the other team's schedule too. You know, and you, you start looking at it and you knew how compressed our schedule was uh, game-wise. A lot of back-to-backs, a lot of, you know, back-to-backs home and away. Um, and the same thing with Colorado and Columbus. You know, how do you, you do that whole matrix? Um, and that's where, you know, again, David Poyle's seen a lot. You know, in his 40 years of doing this, he has the best relationship in the world with the other GMs, with the other teams. And, you know, we laid or he laid out probably four, maybe six scenarios pretty quickly. Like, why don't we do this, this, and this? But it also involved maybe moving a third or fourth game to make it work, which meant it needed to work with, you know, one or two other teams. And honestly, within 12 hours, all those possibilities were laid out. Everyone was in agreement. Okay, if this, then this. And um, I think we had um, a pretty good tentative schedule by Monday or Tuesday of that week. I know we didn't announce it for a few more days, but it's hard because our building's busy. It's also hard because the calendar is busy with other teams and their schedules. So, um, but again, that's what I love about our league. We all do come together when something tough happens for any one of us. Switch gears for a minute. And we're recording this on Thursday, normally, Darren and I record the podcast on Friday, but tonight, you know, the the guys are playing and it's PK Subban night. So I was curious, what were your thoughts when you heard the trade that we were sending Shea Weber and getting PK Subban? Well, you know, David Paul and I talked about it maybe, I don't know, a week or so before, you know, it, it, it happened, the possibility, you know, is this something we would do? Um, what does it do for us? What does it do to us type of thing? You know, you, 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 how you weigh trades. We knew it would be huge, you know, if we if we did it. You know, you're trading the face of your organization. You're trading, you know, arguably at that time, our best player in franchise history. Uh, great guy. We were just in Vegas with him at the awards where he should have won the Norris. I think he, um, he deserved to win it and he didn't. You know, we were at dinner. Uh, together, you know, when knowing that this possibility could be out there and, you know, these, these things happen. And, you know, as late as maybe an hour or two before uh, we announced the trade, it was still, we were going back and forth. You know, what what does this mean for us long-term, short-term? 
and you know, obviously we pulled the trigger on it and um we i think we broke twitter that day I mean, it was an explosive yeah. trade you guys know i'm a sports junkie and you know just an hour later i think steve stamkos signed with tampa railroad thought he was going to toronto and there was one other pretty big trade within hours of each other and it was it was neat to watch twitter blow up on hockey talk in in late june was it in new um, jersey and edmonton i think was the i think so deal? with taylor hall maybe yep yep yeah and um you know but obviously real hard thing to do we knew who we were getting in and you know look at the years that pk were here they were the best years our franchise ever had he ignited us in ways on the ice and off the ice that just were dimensionally changing Yet at the same time we're always so grateful to shay weber and all the things that he did on the ice but also off the ice you know and starting 365 with with pecorine and still you know invested in that after the trade just like pk kept doing things in montreal just shows what two wonderful people they are and and two of the best players in the league at the time when we made that trade and look what it did for both franchises right i mean montreal got back in the, the stanley cup and let's face it shea put that team on his back you know that year it was really fun to see and obviously pk put us in the stanley cup too we went the wrong way for both of us you know in the, in the end we didn't win the 16th game um, but even, you know, that, that Pittsburgh series, he, I think PK was probably our best player, you know, look what he did in the, in the first round against Chicago and then he did it again against some icons of the game. Um, and again, what he did off the ice for is so much fun. I can't wait to celebrate him here. You know, at, at the same time, it's fun that they picked us to play against when they were celebrating him there because we meant so much to his career and obviously they did too. And I'm just so happy for him that he's getting the recognition that he deserves in that city. And I can't wait to the timing where it works out for us to do the same thing for him here. Kara and I um, do not talk about questions we're going to ask for the POP. You can tell we're doing that. We've been doing this long enough now. I think this is what episode 14 Kara, because that literally was going to be the first thing I was going to ask Sean after the flood <laughs> stuff. So there you go, Kara hat tip to you. Well done. Cause I, I, I was just like you. I think this is going to be really cool tonight. And I guess I'll ask it in a little bit different way, and you you kind of touched on it, but what what is your role? I mean, there's been a lot of big trades, and you're the president, the CEO, but you know the general manager is talking to you about something, player personnel. Like, what's your interaction in those meetings? And this one was, you know, obviously of huge magnitude. You're trading away your captain to Montreal for a huge name in the sport that everybody recognizes. Um, that was, what, 2016, so that's been six-plus years, almost seven years ago, seven years ago, and my kid was four, and he knew who P.K. Subban was. He knew who Shea Weber was, and he knew who P.K. Subban was, who didn't play for the Preds. So that's how big that name was. So how? what are those meetings like for you when you said you're, you've been talking about it for a week before it happened? So first and foremost, we made a trade a few months earlier than that. But, you know, I'm a sports junkie like you two are. The It's rare where you trade a player for a player, one for one, that are equally talented, have equal upside. Normally it's, you know, a bundle of assets for maybe an aging veteran to get something or that young prospect where you trade a lot for. It's rare where you do a one for one. The Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones trade, I will tell you is the largest one for one trade in the history of sports. And I defy anyone to come up with a bigger one, one for one talent for talent, you know, where we're going until PK for, for Shea. And I still say, it, I love, I, it's a good barroom discussion. 
what's been the bigger one-for-one -one trade? It would have been Ted Williams for Joe DiMaggio, but the Yankees and the Red Sox were scared to do it. And that's where working with a guy like David Poyle has been so much fun because he's not afraid to do the big move. He's not afraid to be wrong. And, you know, to pull off a trade like that, you have to have that confidence in yourself, in your scouting staff, in your coaches, and in the organization. Because it has to be an organizational buy-in when you do something that big. And that's why I'm just so proud. Within six months, we do two of the biggest trades. And again, I'm staring at you both right now. If you can come up with a bigger one right now, okay. I mean, you can go back to the Chris Weber for Anthony Hardaway. But that also included three other picks. You know, yeah. I'm talking one for one. Herschel Walker, maybe a bigger trade. You know, it should have put two teams in the Super Bowl. But again, that was like 100 guys for one guy, right? <laughs> Not one for one. Um, so again, you start with that concept. David and I work well together closely we talk countless times a day all you know 365 days a year it seems um but i'd be crazy to think i know anything about hockey compared to david right i mean he woke up when he was five years old nor knowing more about hockey than i ever will because of his family's history i mean truly i mean it's just incredible what he has known what he's gone through he launches franchises from you know watch his father do it and then he did it with atlanta and then here and just an incredible person so when i say we we talk every day we talk all the time we talk about what's going on who's on waivers who we're thinking about putting on waivers i'm not even a soundboard for him but we do talk about it and you know that's where you know you need the organization to buy into what you're doing um what i love about our organization and, and i think most good organizations have this you know owners own managers manage and coaches coach and to interfere within that system would be a mistake on, on everyone's part but i'm really fortunate that you know i i get a chance to you know sit with david and and represent the organization outwardly and and, and upwardly at the same time um but you know we we don't do anything where we don't both talk about it I don't, I'm not saying we always agree on everything, but by the time we do something, we 100% agree on everything we're doing, if that makes sense. So it's it's been the best 12 years of my professional career because you're working with someone that is so confident because of the amount of work he does and the research he does. I mean, he knows every single thing that's going on in the league. He knows every single thing that's going on in the HL. He researches it because he has great people working for him. We have three AGMs that will all be GMs in our league someday. There's no doubt about it. We have an incredible scouting staff. You know, every year we add a different element and piece to what we're doing, whether that be an investment in data analytics or new scouting or new people or equipment or systems. It's because if you do 20 things each summer, you're only going to do four or five of them well. If you add three, four, five, six things every summer, you're going to be able to take advantage of them. And that's why David is the all-time winningest GM in the history of our league, and why when he says we should do X, Y, or Z, you get right in with him, and you, know, you probably challenge each other a little bit here or there, and he does the same with me on on different opportunities. Um, but, you know, it's it's nice that we're not afraid to be wrong. And a lot of people will throw, look at this player you moved away from, and, you know, he just scored, you know, 100 goals in the last, you know, 10 years, or, you know, this guy's has four goals in five games. Look how dumb you are. Well, you want every player that used to be with us to do really well when they move on. I mean, we really, really do. You know, if it's a lopsided trade where we absolutely win, you probably have another team or GM that might not want to deal with you for a little while. You know, every trade you do, of course, you want to be on the right side of it. And you want, 
want to win. But sometimes it's not that day. It's years down the road where you really measure it. Um, but you have to be happy with what you're doing. And, you know, Twitter's made for second guessing, right? It used to be Monday morning quarterbacking literally was Monday morning. Now you can Monday morning quarterback during the game, you know, immediately. So um, that's why it really works that you have someone that's very confident in who they are and what they're doing. And um, you know, David has earned that confidence. I have always had misplaced confidence, but it's, it's they're still the same. You said it's the best 12 years. Things really turned around when you got here and when the new ownership group was in place. So something that is right up your alley and uh, your sweet spot is the business side of things. Adding uh, now the sports betting is legal in this state and prominent and uh, every, is it, in, it's in our sports culture right now in this market and everything we do, whether it's radio, television, what have you. Adding BetMGM as a sponsor, what, what does that do for the franchise? Very great. We're going to focus the area. We're going to take the uh, what was the Patron Club, and we're going to make it uh, you know the MGM you know sports room. I don't have the name exactly yet. It'll be an MGM theme. It'll look and feel like you're sitting out in Vegas in one of the sports books. Now, of course, the betting still happens on your phone, but the idea is you know you're going to have I don't even know how many TVs. I'll, I'll say 200. I'll exaggerate that again a few more times. But uh, it's going to be open seven days a week. We'll be connected to the street. You'll the stairs will almost disappear. It'll be a fun, cool concept, like an upscale sports bar with the center of it being, you know, sports and, and activity. And I could see, you know, your your podcast being taped live there on a weekly basis where a lot of interactivity. But when you have, you know, a, a, one of the leaders in bringing sports gaming around the country that said, we want to partner with you to bring this forward. It, it's exciting. It really is, because I think the the trust in sports gaming is probably the most important aspect for the leagues, for the teams, but then also for the people that are using it. And uh, we're so fortunate between Valley's DraftKings and now MGM, we are three of the leaders, you know, to engage with our fans in different levels and, and have some fun. So, well, I, I thought, oh, go ahead, Darren. Well, I was just going to quickly say, just so I heard that right. So it doesn't have to, it'll be open, Sean. You don't have to have an event in the building, like it'll always be open. Is that, is that what I yeah, heard? Yeah, that, that, the goal is very simple. It's seven days a week, and uh, it'll almost be external to our building. Okay. Yeah, at the same time, you know, people in the building can access it in and out as well. So similar to Pete and Terry's, differences will be 18 times the size of yeah. it. And uh, full kitchen capabilities and you know, just a, a different dynamic. Very cool. Well, I saw yesterday that that it was announced that In and Out. Oh my gosh, Kara! What so, Sean, this, I need to know. We, like, can we get them a sponsor? How does this happen? Are you already calling their franchises? Like, we need this. No, I was gonna say, Kara. Let's just ask the question: Can we get it in the arena? When's it gonna be yeah, in the arena? Like, let's like, do this. What do we have to do to get free In and Out burgers? <laughs> well, um, as soon as maybe probably two days before that announcement was public, and I'm fortunate enough to be part of a lot of different. Um, boards and groups that you know we knew the deal was done uh you got to hold that information a little bit but right before it was public our sponsorship guys already got that news uh but you know we love our quick serve restaurant partners already you know we have yeah. a lot of fun with them we love fattening people up you know with the first goal <laughs> of the game to you know obviously the shutout to the last five minutes of the second period you know, it's winning and getting queso and cheaper gas it's all good and we always have room for more partners that want to engage with it, but uh, the excitement that they have created by coming to Nashville and making it one of their regional headquarters, you know, it's going to be their their second office. I'm more excited about that 
than even the actual brand coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do like whenever, you know, people love in and out for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's good quality and all those things, but also because we don't have it, right? I mean, it's, it's just not here. And now it's not just coming. They're going to bring hundreds of employees. They're building out a hundred thousand square foot office space in Franklin. That's exciting. I mean, it really is. It just shows what, what Nashville is. So look forward to incorporating them into everything that we're doing. Uh, right now, their phones are ringing off the hook, I'm sure. Um, but uh, it'll be fun. I, I just think we got to bring Stu Grimson in, you know, for a contest with you, Darren. Because I go back to your 10 milkshakes you drunk, drank in Denver. And I witnessed uh, <laughs> Stu, I think it was six or eight double doubles or I forget where their menu items are. So maybe you guys could have a uh, burger off or a shake off. Well. That certainly would fall into the fattening up category that you just threw out there a couple minutes ago. Uh, even though he didn't answer the question, Kara, this has still been my favorite interview because, again, that was going to be the last thing I was going to ask Sean. I was going to beg him for in and out in the arena. So we are com- – we, I mean, the fact that we don't talk about these questions and it took episode 14 and we are – we're thinking alike. I love it. We're we're on track. Maybe we just need the podcast sponsored by In and Out. And the you know, like we come on in every like animal style. Like we just we gotta get this going here. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Sean You guys are sort of finishing each other's sandwiches, man. It's impressive. <laughs> like, need it. Sean, we really appreciate it. Hey, good luck with the, the prom date on Saturday. I'll be looking for you on Fang Vision. <laughs> I will. And again, I have until about five o'clock, right? To remind my wife. So. Yeah. You, as soon as we hang up here, call Tracy. Thanks for the visit, Sean. All right. Thank you, guys. I'll see you. That is Sean Thanks, Henry, the president and CEO of the Nashville Predators. Good stuff from him. Don't go anywhere. More of the Predators official podcast next. Back here on the Predators official podcast, Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer, another fast moving POP. We checked in with Emma Lincoln. At the beginning in Montreal, tonight's the Predators and the Habs. And then, of course, had a great discussion, as you just heard, with the president and CEO of the Preds, Sean Henry. One of the things that we talked about was that Friday morning, November 25th, he walked us through what Bridgestone Arena was like, what it was like for him going through that. They had to cancel the game against Colorado. Another game that was canceled. And one of those games is going to get made up on Tuesday night against the Blue Jackets. Well, you know, the other thing that was canceled that weekend that I totally forgot about. I'm sorry, Calgary. I said Columbus, Calgary. Just this moment was Peter Forsberg was supposed to be at that Colorado. Yes, he was. And we didn't get the chance to see him. (laughs) Yes, he was. Just so you know, we were working on getting him on the POP for that. And obviously it all went to. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That whole day. But, but yeah, we're going to make up the game on. Take on Columbus. So now, so now the back to back. So Darren, I, I feel like we talked about how big this road trip was going to be, right? We knew we talked with Chris Mason about this is a make or break it. This decides what you're going to even do at the trade deadline. Are you buyers? Are you sellers? This is how big things are. Things have been going well for the team, but I think tonight will will be a huge game against Montreal. But the one I, I keep thinking about, Darren, is coming home on Saturday against Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Almost feels like a bit of a trap game. You're doing really well on the road, obviously. You know, they probably should have picked up a point against Toronto. But what happens then when you come back home? Well, you know, we've talked about it. This is going to have John Hines. You know he's going to be talking about it because we've heard – I know I've heard this for a long – because I think I've already mentioned this on a previous POP. At first, I didn't understand, like, why do, 
coaches always talk about this game coming. Like, we all have the natural reaction of you're coming back home. I think we talked about that with Emma, right, in the first. Like, oh, you're coming back home. Oh, everything will be great after coming off a long road trip. Yeah, but that first home game, coaches dread. They Uh dread it because you get back home, you've been gone for a while, you let your guard down, you're getting caught up on family stuff or whatever, home stuff, and, you know, all of a sudden you're playing a, a home game. You get, you know, you just don't have the same vibe, the same energy. It's like, oh, so good to be back home. And it takes you like a game to get back into it, right? And I know that yeah. sounds silly, but I've heard it for so long and I watched it play out so much over the years. I'm like, okay, I get it now. I, I, I get it. So I have no doubts what you just brought up. John Hines will be preaching to them. I know they have to play Montreal tonight, but – before that, and by the way, Buffalo is not the same Buffalo team. Okay, they're scoring this year. They're a different team. Um, they can put up, they can put the puck in the back of the net, and they'll be talking about that. And if they're not ready, you're right. That is going to be a really dangerous game for them. Well, and talk about things being a little bit different, Darren. I have to highlight what we're going to be doing Saturday night with the broadcast. I mentioned it with Sean Henry, and we're having the smash cast. We're letting Hal Gill run wild we're putting him on a headset with with a that's very dangerous (laughs) very dangerous we're going to put him out in the stands willie at willie donick and chris mason they're going to call the game from the stands we're putting Lindsay up in cell box 303 so uh so a lot of different things happening so if you're out there i hope everybody tunes in and if you're not there in person watch on tv because we're going to bring you a whole in-game experience but i'm interested to see we're going to put hal gill in in out with the fans uh i mean yeah, I, I, has anybody seen Bob Cole? Okay, what, what's his <laughs> le- level of nervousness? Where is Bob? Has anybody talked to Bob? That's, I mean, that's really cool, but, you know, so how is, I don't know how much you can divulge, like, so how is this going to work? I mean, this literally, like, just walk around and, like, how are you going to incorporate that into the broadcast? How does this work? You know, we're going to do it during the intermissions. We're going to switch things up. And we also have a surprise guest coming back who will, who we all know. Well, I guess he's not a surprise. Terry Chris will be rejoining the broadcast. Nice. So we're pulling out all the stops. Nice. Uh, have you ever sat in 303? I have not. Well, it's have look, I, I have. Now, I don't want to, you know, diminish 303 today. I know it's still cell block 303. And, you know, they lead the cha- I get all but I sat in it. I was invited by Mark Hollingsworth many, 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 many years back at the beginning days to come sit because I was like, who are these crazy people in Section 303? What is going on up there, you know, in the arena? What is this? They got signs. What is happening up there? And so I remember going on the radio show and, like, saying that many, many times. And so Mark Hollingsworth invited me to come up there and sit in the middle of that crazy group and watch how it all unfolds and what, you know, how it works during a game. And I will never forget that night. And yeah, it was crazy. And like how, like the whole thing, like when to hold up the signs for everybody, it was nuts. So yes, I have. And it's a night I'll never forget. I had a blast, but I also felt lost at times because I didn't know how it worked up there. So I got like the inner workings. I got the behind the curtain scene of, of section 303. Well, that's awesome. Well, that's what we're trying to bring to the fans. Yeah. You know, I think that's what Lindsay's going to sit up there and hopefully try to 
bring some of that experience to the people at home. Well, that's cool. Uh, that'll be a fun night, Saturday night in Smashville. So you just heard. So Willie and Mace will be doing it from where? Whereabouts in the arena? Obviously, they're always up high. So they're going to be where? Uh, well, it's called the Vom, which you know I can't exactly tell you what section that is because okay. we refer to it as the Vom. But uh, that's where Willie and, and Chris will be. So I think it. You know, you might have a chance to go and kind of see them up close in person instead of putting them up in the rafters where they usually sit. I like it. And we've already learned in the last segment with Sean Henry that uh, I guess you're going to have to carve out uh, carve out a little piece where they go to you and you interview Sean Henry and his prom date. I'm going to find Sean <laughs> and his prom date. We need to rewind this so I can figure out what seat they're in again. Oh, he told us. It's it's going to be on this It's going to be on this podcast. You can get that info, Kara. You can get it. It's here. Um, let's talk about, uh, before we wrap this up, let's talk about the way this team is playing right now. Tough one, as we talked about at the beginning with them, a tough loss last night. And, uh, and you know, if they would have gotten a point, yes, they're not really in, you know, they're in the business right now at the halfway point of the season of getting wins. But Toronto's a good opponent. I know Austin Matthews didn't play. A point would have been nice. Yes, two would have been preferable but a point would have been nice against an opponent like that. And to have it tied late and to give up the power play goal, that was a tough one. Yeah, and I think it, the the hardest thing was was that, Darren, when it was the double minor, because you saw him kill it off for the first three minutes yeah. and then to give up that goal so late. Um, but two things we already touched on with Emmett. We talked about it before in the podcast. What do the Preds need to do to have more success? And we talked about having goal scorers. And I think having Philip Forsberg get on the board lately has been the biggest difference in this team. And I love the way he's playing with Yusuf Parson. And I feel like they're two guys that have found chemistry and it's working. Doesn't it feel like, and I know Tanner Janot, doesn't it feel like he's about ready to break through? I mean, and he's had a lot of tough luck. He had 24 goals last year. He's certainly not on pace to do that this year. But I do feel like he's in a good place right now. And it's going to start happening. At least that's what it feels like for me. I don't know about you, but when Tanner Janot finally scored, I mean, I cheered. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like I was out here. I cheered and I said, <laughs> finally, throw the monkey off your back. He did it. <laughs> yeah. And so it feels like, you know, th- good things are going to start happening for him. And I still think they're they're playing well right now. But, you know, looking at this schedule, um, it's not going to be easy. Th- this homestand has got, you know, it's got a Buffalo, as you said, which is a scary game to start the homestand. And you've got a Calgary. you got a New Jersey team uh, that mm-hmm. we know the season. They have Los Angeles, right? The Kings, they're not going away. Uh, you know, they, Kevin Fiala, by the way, named the all-star team. How about that? First time yeah. for him. Uh, Winnipeg in there. So you know this is not going to be easy, even though they're at the place they want to be, at home in Smashville, Bridgestone Arena. They got some tough opponents coming through to close out the month. They do. It's going to be a tough test, but uh, hopefully, you know, they they keep things going at Bridgestone Arena and the seventh man can hopefully be out in force and uh, pick up a few more points here. I'm going to be looking for that interview on Saturday. I can't wait. I cannot (laughs) wait to hear Sean introduce his prom date. Who's there at the game with her husband. (laughs) And Sean told us he's going to tell Tracy, so I hope he did. 
I hope I think we're going to get a photo. I'm going to need to see a photo of Sean at this with his prom date, you know, from the original prom in 1985. I, I think that needs to happen too. Kind of a split screen, right? Like how funny would that be? Oh my gosh. If you can yeah, get a picture. I'm Bob right now. <laughs> what year did he say? I can't even, did he say 1985? Is that what he said? If you can get that picture, oh, Kara, come on. That's television gold right there. Uh, speaking of television gold last night, Darren, I have to say, you know, I thought it was very uh, nice of, of TNT, who, who did the broadcast against yes. Toronto, to highlight our very own Pete Weber. Yes. And I will give an update that he's doing well. The surgery was a success. So if you missed it last night, uh, our guy Pete is he's on the mend. He uh, came on this podcast and told us what was about to happen. And uh, he did have uh, the surgery on his brain to relieve the fluid that was there that was causing him problems. It was on Monday. And, uh, yes, I, too, uh, talked to Pete via text. He was he had just gotten home, and he is doing well. And he the plan is he wants to be there Saturday night in the broadcast booth on Saturday night. So I hope that is the case against Buffalo, of course, right? Of, of course. all teams. So good stuff. And thank you for uh, reminding me to pass that along. So good stuff, Kara. That'll do it for another Predators official podcast. Good uh, job by Patton Cook on the on the dials over there. As always, Emma Lingen joining us in Montreal. Sean Henry for Kara Hammer. I'm Darren McFarland. You have a great rest of your week and weekend. We look forward to talking to you next week. We'll see you then.